promised to give us his Holy Spirit. It was 50 days after the resurrection that a certain group of God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven and earth were gathered in a certain place in Jerusalem. And at that moment, the Spirit of God appeared in their lives, transforming everything. And so this morning we pause to ask, what does the Spirit do for us? How does He transform our reality? And to see this, I want to take you to a text in Romans chapter 8. It's found on page 917, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, that goes right along with the prayer that we just prayed. Holy Spirit, intercede on our behalf. For we see that the Holy Spirit works in our lives at times and moments, especially of weakness, to speak into our lives in ways that we cannot even understand. And the text is so incredibly beautiful. Take a look at it with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You see, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness, and in this context, the weakness is the suffering that we endure as we await the redemption of our bodies. We see this in chapter 8, verse 23. But it is not just we that suffer and groan. It is creation itself along with ourselves. And we see this in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 8. And as creation groans, and as we groan, at the reality of this world as it is now, so the Spirit of God, according to Paul, groans within us, waiting for that day when God's glory will be revealed in us. Chapter 8, verse 18, see it? And so as we await for that day when God's glory will be revealed in and through us, we groan, creation groans. And the Spirit of God groans within us. This groaning is metaphorical. It's not, uh, the Spirit's not inside us making groaning noises. He is entering into our weakness and entering into our pain. He is groaning because There are times in our life when tension arises out of difficulty and we don't even have the words to speak. In life, there are times where we don't even know how to pray or even if we should pray. And for those of us who've placed our faith in God, it is the Spirit of God himself who enters into our weakness and with wordless groans intercedes on our behalf. This means that no matter what you are going through, that God himself is entering into our existence and into our pain. And God does this, this process, you see it in verse 27, through searching our hearts, the God who searches our hearts. Now that language to you may sound uh, nerve-wracking, yes? I don't know if I want God to search my heart. I'm not sure what he will find there. But this searching of the hearts that, God, uh, that Paul speaks of here in Romans chapter 8 is not God searching through the recesses of your mind for all your dark and dirty little secrets. It is God searching your heart 
to bring you encouragement and hope, not judgment and condemnation. In fact, Paul opens Romans chapter 8, does he not, with these words, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, the searcher of our hearts, is not looking to condemn, but he is looking to bring hope and encouragement. He is searching our heart, and do you know what he's searching our hearts for? For the presence of the Holy Spirit, for the groans of the Spirit that mark the presence of God in our lives. And so, we must be reminded to pray in this way, as difficult as it is. For there are plenty of times in life that we know exactly what to pray for. And there are plenty of times in life where, as a result of difficulty, we have no words to even give. We are confused. We are hurting. And Paul encourages us to sit and to wait and to patiently endure. And all of this is the groaning of the Holy Spirit for me. This process of learning to pray in this way has always looked like patient and faithful endurance. A choice to be still when all I want to do is move and distract myself from whatever is causing me concern. But it is into this stillness that God, the searcher of our hearts, looks and finds his spirit groaning within us and brings the peace of God that is recognizing that God will ultimately work out everything for good. Yes? Romans 8. Chapter 28, for it is God who works in us. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And it is important that we remember that it was in just such a time of uncertainty that God gave the Holy Spirit to that group of extremely diverse God-fearing men and women who met in a certain place on Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, who many of these God-fearing individuals believed would be their deliverer, is now dead and ascended to the Father, and Rome, the empire that has crushed them and oppressed them, rules. And so these men and these women gather in a certain place. And I just want to take a moment this morning to remind you what happened in that moment. Acts chapter 2, it's on page 883, but actually we're going to skip ahead to page um, 884, and we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 36. These God-fearing Jews have gathered in a certain place in Jerusalem, and as they await something miraculous happens. All of a sudden, they are able to understand each other, for they are Jewish God-fearing individuals, but they speak all kinds of different languages. They've come from all over the world, and you can read the list of all the individuals, where they're from in Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 10 through 12. 
And these men and these women, as they are gathered and as they all of a sudden discover that they can understand each other, with this understanding, Peter preaches this message. And you can go home and read it, but here I want to tell you what Peter says at the very end. Therefore, verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? And Peter's response is always the response for every single one of us. Peter replied, repent, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise, which is being given to this diverse group of people, is for you and for your children and for all who fear, who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that very day. And as a result of this diverse body being able to understand the message that always is the message, it is the message of good news that this same Jesus, whom you notice that these people are gathered from all over, they did not all crucify Jesus. Many of them wouldn't have even been there that day. Whom you crucified. In other words, because of your sin, Jesus needs to be crucified for the salvation of our sins. Whom you crucified, this same Jesus has been made Lord and Messiah. And he is our Savior. And the only proper response to him is to repent, to change direction, to move the other way. And as a result of this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the early church was transformed. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Into the life of the early church, when the power and the work of the Holy Spirit was moving, as it moves today, there is one thing that always happens, and it is not abstract, it is concrete. The Holy Spirit so often can feel so abstract. Is it Him? Is it not Him? I have no idea. The Holy Spirit, when He moves in our midst, does a work that we just prayed this morning that God would do. He takes a diverse group of people and He unites them under the name of Jesus. And it is for that which we pray for this morning 
And it is that which we confess that we do not always do. But we stop this morning to ask and beg that God would work and move in our hearts towards love and patience and humility and kindness. For this is the mark of the Holy Spirit in the church.